Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Talking About Our Beautiful Savior. I'm Pastor Alex Groth. He's having a little trouble talking. Little voice trouble today. <laughs> it's nothing to worry about. And I am here with... Uh, Carrie Groth. Hello. Who is a voice expert, so she'll be yes. guiding me through. Um, our theme for this Sunday <laughs> is Christ the King. Well, that's our our special worship theme that, that happens every year at this time. So to start that, Carrie, your top 35 kings from world history, go. <laughs> oh, Alex, uh, King David. Okay, one, um, 34 to go. Was Alexander the Great a king? He was a, more of an emperor. Oh, okay. Really. Yeah. That's just it. I just like King David. Okay. King King Saul. Great list. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know history. All right, so let's get into our Sunday School lesson, uh, which is really about the ten plagues. So Moses got out of the basket, mm-hmm. like we talked about last week. Open up, basket. Yep, grew up in the Egyptian kingdom, essentially, as uh, one of Pharaoh's daughters. Great education. Uh, end up like kind of a complicated situations of having to run for his life away from the nation of Egypt. Lives as a shepherd out in the wilderness for like 40 years. He comes back, God speaks to him in a burning bush, has him come back, and he's, he wants him to lead Israel out of Egypt. Thoughts on that? Well, if I were living in isolation for 40 years as a shepherd, I mean, he's probably pretty isolated, right? Well, he had a wife and kids. and In the desert? Yeah. As a, okay. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I'd feel very ill-equipped. Like, not to be ready. a shepherd? No. To okay. go lead the people oh, out of I see. slavery, yeah. Right. yeah, to like lead. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, they're sheep, but I'm they're not sheep, literal not sheep. People. Yeah, they're people, right? Yeah, yeah so he's got to go back and talk to one of the most powerful men in the world and convince him to let the Israelites go. And that conversation has already begun at this point when our text starts. And at the beginning of chapter seven, Exodus seven. God tells Moses, I was looking at this yesterday, I found this so interesting again. He says, I've made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you. So he's, I mean, like you're saying, you'd feel unprepared to go speak to Pharaoh. But God is basically saying, like, Moses, this is way less about you and way more about me, and I'm in control of the situation. And he also says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. That's an interesting uh, concept that we we find in the section that Pharaoh keeps rejecting him over and over again, and and it says that God finally hardens uh, Pharaoh's heart in unbelief. And then we one last note before we look to kind of talk through these plagues specifically. Moses was eighty and Aaron was eighty three at the time, which I guess I don't always think about Moses being this this old when this happened but it makes makes sense you think of charlton heston the ten commandments he doesn't seem like he's 80 years old but that's how old moses was uh so they're confronting pharaoh uh one of the things that god allows them to do aaron's staff becomes a snake but the egyptian magicians are able to do it too Mm -hmm. remember how were the egyptian magicians able to do it well i mean they practice sorcery yeah so dark arts this yeah. is the the devil would have been involved in this um they turned the nile into blood why why was that a particularly striking thing to do Ooh, the, the nile was their source of like all of life mm-hmm. like centered around the nile the water yeah the nile would flood every spring i believe and that would really water their crops and so to attack the nile <clears throat> was to sort of attack the heart of egyptian hope 
Now the Nile became like God to them. Uh, and interestingly enough, the magicians were able to do something similar to that. Next is a plague of frogs. How would you feel about having frogs everywhere? Oh my goodness. Like, I really do like frogs, but I don't like to touch them, so... Wait, so you, just... you don't really like frogs, you like looking at frogs from a distance? Yeah, yeah. And they're disgusting, like, if you touch them. And so they were... I, like, imagine them coming out of the Israelites, like, ovens, whatever their ovens looked like. Mm-hmm. And just, like, everywhere, all yeah, over. everywhere you go, frogs. Just frogs, like, yeah. ew. Yeah, that'd be pretty gross. <laughs> Yeah, and it was this this plague did affect Israel too. Israel lives in a different part of of Egypt, a land called Goshen, but this first plague affected them as well. And then the Nile turning to blood did too. I have a question. So, <clears throat> were frogs like especially like do they have some sort of deeper meaning to uh, that? I don't know. That's a great question. Yeah, comments on this podcast. If you know <laughs> what's the significance? <laughs> Call into the podcast right now and let us know. Um, <laughs> But the magicians were able to do the frogs too. Um, the Pharaoh, Pharaoh, the, Pharaoh's behavior during this is very interesting. Uh, he tells, he, so he tells Moses, "Tell God to stop," and Moses basically says, "Hey, I will. You name the time you want me to pray, and I'll do it." And uh, he does it, and God stops the plague of frogs. And there, suddenly, there's like it's kind of one of those things, though. Okay, there's no more frogs, but now we have dead frogs everywhere. Oh. So, but and then Pharaoh goes back in his word. <laughs> Next plague is gnats. Uh, Moses takes some dust from the ground and throws it up in the air. It becomes gnats. Um, and this time, the magicians couldn't do it. And uh, I've got their quote here. They say, this is the finger of God. The magician's behavior is interesting during yeah. these plagues, too. So they are forced to re- recognize at some point. Yeah, that's really interesting because, like, <clears throat> you, could, you can move on. We'll move on. Well, what's interesting about it? Well, just that, you know, they are they were tapping into the devil's yeah. power. And, like, now them saying that, like, wow. They're, like, acknowledging that God is more mm-hmm. powerful than the devil. Right. Yeah. That is that is interesting. Uh, and it's gnats. You know, having gnats everywhere. This one's just more annoying. I mean, I mean mm-hmm. like, yep. you can imagine, like, you're inhaling them but as like, you're walking. But, like, irritating. Like, irritating. Yeah, yeah. annoying. Yeah. Not just a mosquito buzzing around your ear. Uh, next is flies. Which flies are bad. I mean, the thing well, is, in summertime, like when a, f- a bunch of flies like land on you, how annoying that is. But these flies are everywhere. But they're not. Guess where the flies are not? Ooh, are they not in the Israelites? Yeah, they're not with the Israelites. So, wow. Yeah, the Israelites are spared from the flies. Well, flies, like, they go, it's irritating, but like an anger comes, like, with, I do, like, flies buzzing around your ears is the worst. I actually really like it. <laughs> so that's weird that you weird. get so angry. Uh, livestock, the next one, li- there are livestock die, which oh, is... so sad. Sad, yeah, absolutely sad, but for them, it would, the bigger thing would have been, that's, this is their money. Yeah. yeah. So God is attacking Egypt where it, where it hurts. Um, next is boils, which is the grossest one, I Ugh. think. I mean, certainly a lot of these plagues have like a disgusting aspect to them. The boils one is the one that always made me feel sick when we go through it. Well, yeah, because when something affects your body, your yeah. health, that's where it gets real. Uh, one thing I had forgotten about, the, the the magicians had boils so bad that they couldn't appear before Pharaoh. So Whoa. Yeah. And we should say, after each of these plagues, you know, Pharaoh was doing some version of, okay, I give up, you guys can go worship out in the wilderness, or he puts little conditions on it. And each time he kind of agrees to let the Israelites go until the plague is stopped. And he's like, ha, 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 I've changed my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> then there's the next is a plague of hail. 
before it happens, God says, I could have struck you with a plague. Uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing here. I could have struck you with a plague to wipe you off the face of the earth. But Pharaoh, I've raised you up for a purpose, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So he's telling Pharaoh, look, I don't have to mess with you like this. I could have just killed you and been done with it. But even now, you rejecting me is going to serve my purposes. Mm -hmm. And then the hail comes and it destroys the crops. And the first thing, one of the things that's different here, this time Pharaoh says, I have sinned. And and if this is your first time reading, you're like, well, okay, things are about to turn around. (laughs) uh, That is if you don't know how to count to ten. You know, there's not ten plagues yet. So he says, yeah, I've sinned, but it's not sincere. He goes back. No offense to anyone who doesn't know how to count to ten. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, then locusts are coming next. And before uh. the locusts, Pharaoh's officials beg him to listen, which is interesting. So his chief advisors are like, hey, dude, enough. We've got, like, blood everywhere. So now is... And gnats. Is and it... flies. And frogs. Right. And, and boils. And <laughs> livestock. So just listen. Please. Yeah. But it's just, it's kind of like a lot of ego now is coming in. Yeah, you think for Pharaoh. I mean, it's it's straight up unbelief. That's mm-hmm. that's one of the main things we learned from this section. It's, it's pride for sure. But it's just, I will not let God yeah. win. I will not let these people go. I don't have to do this. And... I think one of the things we, we recognize about unbelief is that it's often so foolish. It, mm-hmm. uh, unbelief in our world is so often framed as being like, this is the intelligent thing to do. People of academia, well, they reject these things. Religious people, especially Christians, are kind of, you know, rednecks or ignorant or unintelligent, uneducated. And here you have Pharaoh, the, the wise, his, his educated advisors are telling him, please just stop. And he pushes forward ahead. Mm-hmm. And the reason is unbelief. So unbelief can be very foolish. So with the hardening of his heart, are we going to dig into that? Or I wasn't that planning another, on it too much. Uh, that, that's just that's a very complicated yeah. theological concept that probably deserve, deserves more time on this podcast. But then we're giving on this podcast. I would just say, so the, the owner, it's not God causing Pharaoh to not believe. It's Pharaoh is rejecting God. And then God is just simply confirming that that's what is happening. Yeah. He's hardening his heart. You reject me, Pharaoh? Well, this is the end result. Of Got it. Uh, so locusts come. They destroy the land that uh, hasn't already been destroyed by the hail. Then darkness for three days. It says no one could see each other. So for three days. Think of just being in utter darkness. So the lo- are the locusts gone at this point? Or are yeah, they the still locusts okay. are gone. So darkness, and that would be... Uh, this is you know the last one before the Passover. At this point, Pharaoh says, and I, this, I have the quotes here, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. And then Moses has a killer line here. You just think, Moses wrote Exodus when he wrote this down, like <laughs> recording his own words. Like, I remember that day. That was really good. It is like an action hero line. Uh, so Mo- Pharaoh says, Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. And Moses says, just as you say, I will never appear before you again. It's pretty good. <laughs> you really talked that up. I know. It's good, though. It's basically like, it is, it you're going to die, Pharaoh. Like, oh, you're not gonna, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Like, how dare you not appreciate it? Just as you say? Yeah. Okay. So, plagues, God's power, for sure. We see that. God's sense of judgment. You're not, you cannot reject me and get away with it. And then also just, the, he's doing this all for the sake of his people. He's going to get them out of 
Egypt and he'll do whatever it takes to get there. Okay? And then, you know, you think of years and years and generations and generations and this is how they taught their children. Like, this Mm -hmm. is the God we believe. Yeah. Because this is what he can do. Right, yeah. How often they could revisit the account of the plagues to remind their kids, like, we have this God on our side. Think of Romans 8 that says, if God is for us, who can be against us? We realize that this is the God we have on our side, the God who can just effortlessly change the rules of science, make darkness appear, make flies, make gnats, make make, and then stop them, you know, reverse the effects for sure. All right, um, we're going to look at two readings for this Sunday. The first is Colossians 1. Uh, Like many of Paul's letters, uh, epistles, it just has a lot of beautiful but complicated thoughts. So the Colossians 1 starts with the idea of we are, we are rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son God loves. So that picture of darkness in that second to the last plague was easy to envision. And here's the darkness of sin and unbelief. And King Jesus has brought us out of that kingdom of darkness into a place of light where we can see and know that we are loved. Uh, redemption, the concept of redemption makes an appearance in this lesson, which is an important Christian phrase that probably doesn't get defined often enough. How would you define redemption? Well, I mean, your, you know, go-to is God's, un- wait, nope, I'm totally off. Um, buying back. Yes, you got it. <laughs> to redeem means to purchase or buy back or there's a set-free idea and there are ransom being paid. Mm-hmm. So, Kind of, there's some action imagery here in Colossians 1. It can look really dry when you first read it or hear it read, but it's actually pretty intense. Like, we're in this kingdom of darkness, and King Jesus comes riding in, and he's, you know, taking out the guards, and all these, you know, evil people are trying to keep us there, and he's letting, opening the doors of the jail cells and, and taking us out. Um, this, we're, we're being set free from when we were in prison. That's pretty intense. Um, and it describes Jesus. The book of Colossians, part of it was, part one of the reasons it was written, there was a lot of false teaching going on about Jesus at the time, really minimizing his status as the true God. So this section of Colossians, you can see that so clearly. It says, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So the Son is the same God as the Father. Firstborn doesn't mean he was created. We shouldn't, you know, take that. Firstborn, like, you know, firstborn in mm-hmm. importance. Like he yeah. is number one over all things. And part of the reason we understand that firstborn doesn't mean created is that it immediately says, for in him all things were created, visible and invisible. Think of all the things you and I can see, all the things you and I can't see. God created it all. Powers, rulers, and authorities. We just went through midterm elections. Really easy to think that the people that are in elected positions are kind of running the show as far as we can see. And they are God's representatives. But King Jesus is really the one in charge. Uh, It's one of the next things that says, In him all things hold together. Do you remember that sign right outside our neighborhood? The church has a sign. For for about two years. Yeah, I was going to say two or three (laughs) years it said, In Christ all things hold together. It was great. It was good. From 2019 to like 2021. Yeah, so at a time when like maybe things were kind of going poorly or falling apart or it would just turn left out of our our uh, neighborhood. neighborhood and over and over again oh yeah Christ all things hold together and it's true great. yeah he just he does hold everything together everything uh, he is the head of the body the church the New Testament uses that picture of Jesus being the head we're, we're the body that's a great picture he controls things firstborn from the dead again just speaks to the importance of his resurrection 
And God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So Jesus is fully God, not half God, half man, right. like 50-50, no. 100% God, 100% man, which really lends some beauty and intensity to things like Christmas. You realize that baby is true God. Uh, Jesus is 12 in the temple, asking questions about his role. He's true God. He's being whipped. He's being executed on the cross. He, he's true God. Uh, it says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, that humanity and God were blasted apart by sin, and Jesus is the way that we are brought back together with him. Mending. And then the last phrase is making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Like Blood does not feel like a peaceful thing. Mm -mm. You see blood, it's usually an indication that something went wrong. But Jesus is accomplishing peace through the that blood the that ransom. he shed on the cross. Yeah, the ransom he paid, right, was his blood. Mm -hmm. So just one phrase after another, powerful phrase after the other, describing who King Jesus is and why we can trust in him and love him so dearly. Right, next we have our gospel, which is Luke's account of Good Friday. Uh, think about this in the context of a kingdom. Carrie, what does what a good kingdom typically look like? Mm, I kind of imagine like a big army, um, a king that is powerful but also reigning with, you know, a lot of popularity, I guess. Okay. And the people are happy and well-fed. There's they are conquering a lot of land no problems good times good vibes only yes, good yeah vibes. so this enter the good friday scene in luke 23 people are sneering at jesus as he dies for them uh insulting him you know he saved others let's see him save himself the soldiers putting him to death or taunting him if you really are the king of jews save save yourself there's a note that the pilot has put a, over his head this is the king of the jews which was kind of a snide comment, taking a shot at the Jewish leaders, but was actually incredibly true. You know, this is the king of the Jews and the Gentiles and all people. Uh, one of the things I thought is interesting about Good Friday, the criminals dying next to him are making fun of Jesus. And I can't imagine doing that if I was slowly dying, but maybe, you know, it's just anything to take your mind off of the literally excruciating pain, but they're, they're mocking him. Uh, which is crazy. So does it look like a good kingdom on Good Friday? No. No, not by our typical definition of a good kingdom. And then uh, you just everything flips the last couple of verses. One of the criminals has this change of heart, and he starts defending Jesus and says, this guy has done nothing wrong. And he sa turns to Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom, which is that's a powerful, powerful yeah. thing. I'm dying, Jesus. Just remember me. Yep. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. So you die in the afternoon or early evening. And that same afternoon or early evening, you're in heaven. Not because you're a good person. Not because you got your life together. But because you are loved and forgiven. And King Jesus is dying for you. He's so brave. He's so heroic. He's so loving and compassionate and patient and stays on the cross. I mean... Sometimes when you're growing up, especially as a guy, I think sometimes you think of strength as being like, I'm going to exert myself over other people. I'm going to dominate people. That's what it means to be strong as a man. And Jesus does the strongest thing this world has ever known. Held back. Held back by staying on the cross. This is what these people need. They need me to stay on the cross and die for them, and that's what I will do. That's what Jesus' kingdom is like. And in that last line, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This thief's understanding that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. 
it's heaven and he's going to go there and i think every christian that has read this section thinks about that moment Mm -hmm. when you know today you will be with me in paradise and what that means all right our hymn verse that we're going to look at this week is from our hymn of the day the head that once was crowned with thorns carrie would you like to read that i'd love to um the cross he bore is life and health though shame and death to him his people's hope his people's wealth their everlasting theme it's a great verse you just think of the the way that our world like we talked about before the gospel the way the world defines a successful kingdom jesus really flips that on its head so you know the cross he bore life and health shame and death to him but life and health to us the cross was a place where hopes went to die and yet for us the cross is a symbol of hope and our wealth that's an interesting thought Mm -hmm. you know that the cross is our wealth our everlasting theme. Speaking of themes, Ooh. our final questions. Um, first of all, how do you think of Jesus being your king today? Um, well, today specifically? Just in general, the present, yes. your life. So it just makes everything um, like no big deal. Like I'm not scared mm-hmm. and I don't have to worry um, when things look terrible and when nothing is going my way. It's okay because I have a king who is more powerful than the, the all the things. That's true. Beautifully said. <laughs> <laughs> but also, we were just watching a movie recently that had a scary part, and you jumped. So you said right, you weren't scared, but sometimes startled. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm really not. I really <clears throat> am not scared. Except if there's I know a, God a is scary part in the movie. Well, then. yeah, spiders, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what movie you're talking about. I don't remember about. either. I just remember you like jumping on the couch, like, uh-uh. and I was very I'm not sure it was at all very... scared. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Okay, uh, how do I think of Jesus being my king today? I, you know, the protection idea is certainly there, um, that we don't need to be afraid. But also, he gets to tell me what to do. Yeah. And that's a pretty important concept for a Christian. It's more than just he's out there, like, patrolling the walls. Mm-hmm. He is doing that. But he gets to run the show, and I don't. And I need to be okay with that. And the extent that I'm not okay with that is probably going to make my relationship with him rocky. But when I am full understanding that he, what he says goes, and for good reason, he's mm-hmm. smart and I'm dumb. He's powerful. You're not I'm dumb, weak. but you're definitely not. I'm as... dumb compared to God. Yes. I think we can say that <laughs> uh, without any qualifier. Um, yeah. So if he's if he's the king and he, he's earned it, you know, he, then I just need to listen to him. I need right. to stop being stubborn. I need to stop being like Pharaoh. Tie it back together. Oh, there you go. And just listen to him. Yeah, and I feel like it's such, when you, like, see Jesus, like, in all of his, like, wonder and awesomeness and grace, it's so easy to, like, mm-hmm. be happy to to just, yes, okay. Yeah. This is... Of course I'll do it. Yeah. You're such a good king. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I just think if I was... Oh, man, we're already over time, but let's see, I'm just going to okay, keep going. Yeah. We're going to keep going. Yep, sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> I just, you know... If, if you watched Jesus die for you and you knew that it was, if you had were there and, you know, then on Easter, you know, you see Jesus alive again and Jesus tells you to do something. Yeah. Do you, do you uh, hesitate yeah. at all? Like, no, like, uh, yes, You please. just conquered death. So whatever you tell me to do, risen and King like, Jesus, such, I'll like, do it. But we don't, I wasn't right. there, you know, so it's easy for me to kind of be like, 
well, whatever. What is, why does he get to tell me what to do? But the reality of his death and resurrection is true every day. Yeah, and so, you can put yourself there every yeah, day. Yeah, right. And I just think, like, how proud, <clears throat> like, would you, like, how, prou- how proud we can be mm-hmm. that we're on King Jesus's team. You could have just said we're in his kingdom. That would Well, I know. Hard. I wanted to, but I just didn't. <laughs> Go. If only there was a way to edit, <clears throat> edit the podcast. All right. The last thing, the theme for the week is who we are because of Jesus. So what is that? How does that strike oh, you? Oh, man. Who we are so because great. of Jesus. Well, <clears throat> we have this commonly said phrase now in our household. Um, you're loved, valuable, and forgiven. Yep. So especially when it comes to being competitive and when you lose or when you win you don't have to get sad or mad yeah or gloat because if you're important you don't need to get sad about mm. you don't have to be mad because you're important who cares if I'm a loser yeah. <laughs> I'm important yeah no that's that's good I think yeah a sense of identity there's a, <clears throat> a, a a painting in our house not a painting but like a wall print that says like I am a daughter of a king mm-hmm. like I got that for you a couple of years ago just that identity that I'm part of God's royal family yeah and I was born into it I did nothing nothing to gain it I'm just I'm his heir I have a place at his table so if that's the case uh, the devil doesn't get to tell me what a bad guy I am it's true I'm a bad guy but I'm also a son of, of the king uh, and my life has value because of God, mm-hmm. not because I have X amount of followers in social media or I make X amount of money or people think I'm funny or important or whatever else. That, that ceases to right. matter because my value is derived, derived entirely from being in God's kingdom. And your, your value, like he, he made you. Mm-hmm. He made yeah. you. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. We're way over. Yeah. we got to be done. Sorry, guys. So... King Jesus, yes, pretty cool. Excited for worship this week. Mm-hmm. Excited to hear about the plagues lesson. It's gonna be good. Anything yeah. else? I just have, I was thinking the whole time we were talking about plagues. I was just thinking of the seventeen-year cicada thing, and how that it really did feel like I was in Egypt. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so if you live through the cicadas here in Cincinnati, you basically know what it was like to live through the plagues. No, so it was good on you. Nothing in comparison. <laughs> Next terrible. time, next time we can talk about the cicada net <laughs> that Carrie bought from Amazon and wore for oh. a solid month. That's a good note to end on. Okay, bye everybody. Bye.